Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Friday, March 25th, and this is People Every Day. Hey everyone, this is your host, Janine Rubenstein. I hope you all are having a great and happy Friday. We've got a packed show, so let's dive on in. First up, Real Housewives of New Jersey star Teresa Giudice was admitted to the hospital earlier this week. In a statement to People, her attorney revealed that she'd undergone a non-cosmetic emergency procedure Thursday morning and is recuperating. I'm a Jersey girl. No one could knock me down. Teresa's daughter, Gia, shared a photo of her mom in the hospital on Instagram, calling her a trooper and writing that she prays for a speedy recovery. I hope so, too. And shout out to Teresa for still looking fab in a hospital gown and mask. Moving on, Jill Duggar and her husband, Derek Dillard, just announced the sex of their third child due in July. On Wednesday, they updated their family blog, revealing they're having a boy. This will be their third son after six-year-old Israel David and four-year-old Samuel Scott, who both seem excited to have a new little brother on the way. In a family photo shoot, they can be seen with beaming smiles along with t-shirts featuring the words big and middle. The news of Jill's pregnancy came in February, several months after she suffered a miscarriage. She and Derek shared the news on their blog, writing how thankful they are for their rainbow baby. Congrats to the growing family. In more good news, comedian Dave Coulier, best known for playing Uncle Joey on Full House and its spinoff, Fuller House, revealed that he's now two years sober. Cut it out. On Thursday, he posted a photo of himself with a bloody face on Instagram, the result of getting, quote, hammered, writing, I loved booze, but it didn't love me back. He also spoke with Good Morning America, saying, I was kind of the sad clown, you know? And and for me, I had to really take an inner look at myself to see, okay, this, this is something that I need to change. Dave credits his friends and his wife, Melissa, with helping him get sober, telling GMA that Melissa's reaction to seeing his bloodied face was a wake-up call for him. Many of Dave's Full House co-stars responded to his Instagram post, including Scott Weinger, Andrea Barber, John Stamos, and Candace Cameron Bure, who shared how proud they are of him. It's truly no small feat. Major kudos to him. All right, now let's take a little break from the entertainment world. This week, the confirmation hearing took place for potential new Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson. If approved, Jackson will be the first Black woman justice. It will be a truly historic moment, one I am really hoping to see. For anyone who's been watching the hearings this week, though, you know there's been some intense questioning, and a lot of people are critiquing the nature of some of the questions as racist and sexist, especially when compared to other hearings in the past. There's a lot to get into here, so joining me now to discuss is People Politics editor Adam Carlson. Hey, Adam. Hi, Janine. Well, first and foremost, let's talk about who Katanji Brown Jackson is. She really has a pr- 
super impressive resume. She is one of the most qualified nominees in recent history, perhaps the most qualified if you just look at all the different areas of the law that she's worked in. So she's currently on the appellate circuit in D.C. These appellate circuits are like stepping stones to being in the Supreme Court, right? So she fairly recently joined that court under Joe Biden. But before that, she had been a law clerk for Justice Stephen Breyer, who's actually the one retiring. So she's been a law clerk for a Supreme Court, like a lot of them have. She went to an Ivy League school, like a lot of them had. She had been a district court, a trial court judge before that. But she even has more experience than some of her potential colleagues. She'd been a federal public defender. Very few judges of this level have been criminal defenders like she has. She went to public school. She is a Floridian. And no one on the court right now is from Florida. So there's a bit of geographic diversity. And of course, she's a Black woman. And no other Black woman has ever been nominated, ever had the chance that she has. As mentioned earlier, this week's Supreme Court hearings have been very intense. And Jackson was in the hot seat, sometimes for hours on end, but, you know, maintained her composure. So while lots of questioning is to be expected, many are wondering if the level of questioning is fair, appropriate, and normal, or have Sessions always been this extreme. So let's just take a moment to listen to some of what she experienced this week. Do do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that that babies are racist? Senator, I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist or though they are not valued or though they are less than that they are victims, that they are oppressors. I don't believe in any of that. Adam, what was your thinking when you watched this? What was your takeaway specifically? I think this is the latest example of a pattern that goes back decades. And this is maybe the wildest example of how much these confirmation hearings really aren't about specific nominees anymore. They're about political issues. As you say, there have been past hearings that have gotten really heated. A lot of nominees have both expected to be raked over the coals for political issues and declined to really wade into those waters. Ruth Bader Ginsburg back in the 90s famously said, I don't want to talk about anything that is a political controversy or something I could potentially rule on. So I'm basically only going to talk about my judicial history, opinions I've written, and I'll talk about my personal background. And basically every nominee since then has followed her example. So what happens now is that senators of both parties use their questions to talk about political issues. And Kentaji Brown-Jackson this week faced some of the wildest examples as the audio we heard just talked about. I mean, You know, Senator Ted Cruz is talking about critical race theory, which is a campaign trail issue. He's talking about books about anti-racism, things that are completely removed from Judge Jackson's background, from her judicial rulings. Lindsey Graham's talking about her faith. I mean, so much of this just becomes fodder for TV and for people watching at home on camera. But the big thing to watch is the line of questioning where Senator Cruz and then Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri tried to hone in on Judge Jackson's history with criminal sentencing when she was a trial court judge. And they really wanted to press her to kind of portray her, in their view, as soft on crime, specifically with child pornography cases. She got to defend herself and explain cases where she gave more lenient sentencing. It's because she was following the guidelines set for her by Congress. And the prosecutors in those cases one of those things. Senator, I've said what I'm going to say about these cases. No one case 
can stand in for a judge's entire record. Okay, but I'm discussing and every one I, of the cases. So I if, if you're not going to explain it, Senator, would you please let her respond? No, not if she's not going to answer well, my if question. You're just going to give a speech, then uh, and, you and, shouldn't and, engage and, in questions. And you, you are not taking my time. If you want to filibuster, you're you're welcome to do so. But do I it on would your own at least time. give you an opportunity to speak, and you should give her an opportunity right. to respond. But she said, "Look, personally, I." and so disturbed by child pornography cases. I have to see the evidence. Well, we know that the Supreme Court is slated to vote on Jackson's nomination on April 4th. This morning, West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin says he plans to vote yes for her. This looks like it will land in her favor, right? Do we know how Republicans are planning to vote, too? We don't yet know. Democrats are cautiously, perhaps naively, in this day and age, hopeful of one or two Republican votes. You're looking at Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. You're looking at Susan Collins of Maine, perhaps Tom Tillis in North Carolina, Republicans who represent more moderate areas. And historically speaking, it would still be really unusual for Republicans to not vote, even in the minority party. There's only been one previous example where one party basically backed their nominee and pushed them through. And it was Amy Coney Barrett, which is the most recent nominee. So we might be entering this era of super partisanship where the majority party just pushes through. Democrats are really just waiting on, on Kirsten Cinema, their last member in Arizona. And then with Vice President Kamala Harris, they'll have the votes. And they are, they're ready. They're going to confirm her if they have the votes. They would like bipartisan support, but they've already said they don't need it. Well, after the dust settles, the image of her being there speaks volumes. I can't get the pictures out of my head of her daughter beaming at her with so much pride and the photo of her husband kissing her forehead and just the emotive words of Senator Cory Booker singing her praises. So this moment for Jackson will go down in history books no matter what. But what does this mean for just where the state of democracy is in this country. I share that kind of weariness in your voice in terms of this fraught political moment we find kind of inescapable right now. But I also take a lot of heart just in having her sit there. Senator Cory Booker called her a harbinger of hope. I was so struck by something she said that to go from her previous generation, her parents' generation, to where she is now, and even to see the progress that she's seen is so striking. And what might that mean for the years to come in this country, even though it can kind of feel like at this moment that we're all at each other's throats, you know, what might the next few years bring us? So I have hope. Oh, absolutely. I have hope that I can have her composure <laughs> because man, oh man, it's keeping it together. This week has been intense and I appreciate you being here to break this all down with me. Thanks for stopping by, Adam. Thanks, Janine. Have a good weekend. Coming up, People.com's film editor, who you know from filling in for me on People Every Day, Nigel Smith, is here to share his Oscars predictions and tidbits from his conversation with comedian Wanda Sykes, who's serving as one of this year's Oscars hosts. But first, it's Friday, which means we've got some new music for you to check out, plus a special treat. We're talking with actress and singer Sophia Carson about her new self-titled album. Stay tuned. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. 
Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Who is ready for some new music to get you going into the weekend? I know I am. So let's jump right in. This week, Harry Styles announced his third solo studio album to be titled Harry's House, coming out May 20th. Not much was revealed about the new music, but we know there are going to be 13 new tracks, and the cover art for the album has Harry standing on the ceiling of an upside-down living room. The announcement isn't a total shock, as there have been rumors of a single dropping before he takes the stage as a headliner at Coachella in late April. I, for one, can't wait to hear what he has in store for us. And keeping with the theme of pop music for today, hit singer, songwriter, actress, and activist Sophia Carson shares a portrait of love and all of its complexities with her self-titled debut album, Sophia Carson, out today. As an award-nominated singer and songwriter, she has garnered over two billion streams, you guys, over 8 billion total music consumption to date and reached number one on the Billboard Top 200. And of course, we all know and love her from the hit films, The Descendants. I could sit here and give you all the scoop, but I don't have to because we are joined by Sophia Carson herself. Sophia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for that introduction. I'm so happy to be here. I want to know about the writing on this album and how personal this story you're sharing may be. I fell in love with songwriting and storytelling when I wrote my first song when I was 10. And I knew that with the album, I wanted to tell a story from start to finish, a story about love. This song and this album is deeply personal. I've always believed that music and the art that I put out into the world is a reflection of who I am. And with music, it's such a vulnerable and beautiful thing because you turn the secrets in your heart or your heartbreak and your emotions and your fears and you make it into something beautiful. Absolutely. But who's broke Sophia's heart? I'm mad over here. (laughs) (laughs) It's a combination of personal experiences, like stay, like I still love you, so many of them. And a couple of them are also inspired in what was happening to the people closest to me in my life. Tonight, you are going to be celebrating Women's History Night and your album by singing the national anthem at the L.A. Clippers game, but also in honor of Women's History Month. Your new single, Loud, is being used in collaboration with UNICEF in a PSA to support the Keeping Girls in School Act. I've always believed that the most important thing that I can do with my voice and my platform and my music is to use it to give. I am so honored to be a UNICEF ambassador and my heart and soul is dedicated in supporting the work that they do in changing and saving lives, especially of young women through education. I've always believed that a girl with a dream and an education is unstoppable and the greatest force in the world. 
But it's a sad reality that over 130 million girls around the world aren't in school, which means that they've been denied their right to an education. Their voices have been silenced and they've been denied a future. Dope. That's all I have to say for that. (laughs) That's amazing. Sophia, one last thing, though. You're extra busy because I just heard I'm going to see you on the Oscars red carpet. Yes, you are, which I am so excited. I'll be hosting one of the hosts of the Oscars red carpet live on ABC. So I will see you there. (laughs) Well, Sophia, thank you so much for stopping by and just sharing with us your music today. Thank you so much. Love you guys. This weekend is the Oscars. It is undoubtedly Hollywood's biggest night. I, for one, am so, so excited for this weekend because your girl will be on the red carpet with Entertainment Weekly's Jared Hall talking to all the stars as they return to Hollywood Boulevard and the iconic red carpet that lines the street before they enter the Dolby Theater. And we will do a full recap on Monday and have some behind-the-scenes details of what happened inside the show. But first, we need to get into some of the things we are anticipating for the big night. So here with me today is People.com film editor, Nigel Smith. Hi, Nigel. Hi, Janine. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you had a chance to sit down with Wanda Sykes, who is co-hosting the Oscars with Regina Hall and Amy Schumer. She is so funny. And I am sure this conversation was filled with hilarious commentary. So just tell us about it. She just cracks jokes every second, every, every chance she gets. I talked to her about whether she was nervous going into it, how her her wife reacted to the big news of her getting to host the big night and what kind of host she wants to be and how she wants the night to go. Take a listen. It's not about me. It's movie night. You know, it's, it's about the movies. And people, I, I want the, the, the audience in the room to to be at ease i want them to enjoy themselves i don't want anyone to be nervous and like oh my god what you know what what are they gonna say they don't need that of course you're gonna have fun but as far as like singling people out and you know bashing people that's i'm I'm not there to do that so as you mentioned you know she didn't tell her wife that she was up for the job why She kind of let on that her wife is one to get a little too excited if she's potentially up for something. So she said, for example, she is one to not tell her until it is completely finalized. So she said, I'm going to be on the flight to Hawaii for a gig before I tell her. I'm not going to be telling her anytime before that. So when it came to the Oscars, she got a call just trying to gauge her interest. And she didn't tell her wife, Alex. And once she actually booked it, she did tell her wife and she said she was excited, Wanda herself, but her wife took it to a whole new level. Oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? You know, it was all of that. Are we going to the Vanity Fair party? I mean, she's working out. She's doing, she's just doing way too much right now. Watching her diet and me, I'm just looking for some comfortable shoes. Now, I would be remiss if I did not ask you for some predictions. So, okay, here we go. Best picture. What are you thinking? Ooh, well, I think this is the category with the potentially biggest surprise. So the front runner from day one seemed to have been Power of the Dog, Netflix's movie with the most nominations going into the night. Jane Campion's a lot for Best Director, and the film is just so beloved by critics, and a lot of people caught it on Netflix, and it's been the front runner since day one. But then you have a movie like Coda, and that has kind of come in in the recent weeks to become a potential upset. And I think that film actually stands a chance at winning the main award based on the SAG, Best Ensemble win, which went to Parasite, and then that went 
to best uh, that won a Best Picture Oscar. And then also it recently just won a huge precursor award, which is the Producers Guild Award. And a lot of producers vote on the main award at the Oscars. So look for Coda, the little film that could to maybe take home the big prize. I loved it. It made me cry. All right. Well, let's see. Who do you got for actor in a leading role? This has been Will Smith's for months now. He's won seemingly every single award from a Golden Globe to the SAG Award to the Critics' Choice Award. He gives really great speeches, and he has never won. He's been a two-time nominee in this Best Actor category. This is his third nomination, and he just had a book out. He's been doing so much press. Everyone loves Will, so this is definitely his time to shine. And then how about actress? Actress in a leading role. Who you got? Yeah, this category has been fascinating to me because going into it, a lot of people thought Nicole Kidman had this locked um, because she won the Golden Globe and she is obviously so beloved and she took a role of Lucille Ball that many doubted she could do. And she did such a great transformative job in this movie that the Academy just adores and they obviously adore her. And that would have been her second Oscar win. But Jessica Chastain has come in and she surprised everyone when she took home the SAG Award for Best Actress. And then she recently won the Critics' Choice Award and the eyes of Tammy Faye, she plays Tammy Faye, and it is such a transformation. The Academy loves a transformation. This is that kind of a transformative performance where she does a tons of makeup and prosthetics and really goes all in. So I think this is Jessica Chastain's to win, and I would love to see that. For sure. And now I have to ask this for my son. Is Encanto going to win anything at the Oscars? Because he is very interested in this. Well, maybe in the best song category, everyone thinks it's going to go to No Time to Die because you got Billie Eilish performing the song and they love Bond songs for some crazy reason. But if Lin-Manuel were to win, he would become the youngest ever EGOT winner. So maybe they want to make history and that would be really Really cool. Oh, wow. The best animated film category, I think, Encanto might have some competition from Netflix in the form of Mitchell's versus The Machines. That movie's actually been winning some animation awards and the critics just love it. So I actually think that's going to win best animated feature. Ooh, okay. I will not break that news. <laughs> Nigel, thank you so, so much for just sharing your thoughts and your predictions. And we will tune in and make sure we're right or wrong <laughs> Sunday. And I'll be tuning in to you on the carpet. Have an amazing time and say hi to Will Smith from me. You know, I will. I will. Maybe we'll go <laughs> way back. But yes, everyone, remember to tune in on Sunday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. PST on people.com to watch live red carpet show with yours truly. Nigel, thanks again. Thank you. All right. Now, speaking of Oscars, today's Something to Make You Smile is for the movie and pet lovers out there. The company Pop, a 24-7 support system for pets and their people, recently announced that they're going to donate $10,000 to animal rescues each time the power of the dog is mentioned at this year's Oscars. Mark Attier, CEO of Pop, said in the statement, while power of the dog has nothing to do with dogs, Pop is thrilled that it is the most nominated film, guaranteeing pups in need will be this year's true winners. So considering the movie is nominated for 12 awards, we're 
we're definitely going to hear its name quite a bit throughout the show. And to any presenters out there who might be listening, feel free to, you know, go off script and pepper it in a few extra times. Well, thanks for joining us for another great show and week. I'm now off to finish my award show glam sessions and rewatching all the nominated films. Uh, I'll try. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday. But until then, enjoy your star-studded weekend. People Every Day is produced by Chrissy Lindquist, Tony Mantia, Madison Lesby, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, and the great team at Pod People, edited by Morgan Foose and Carter Wogan. People's producers are me, Janine Rubenstein, and Charlotte Triggs, with help from Eliza Sessler and Fallon Harge, executive produced by David Blumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. <laughs>